This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! All right, all right, party people in the place to be. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Nerds from the Underground. And man, do we have a fun one. You know, the fans, you guys spoke up. You said you really, really like where we do the deep dives into other cast members. And that's what we're doing tonight. We are going to be asking some really, really hardcore questions to our good buddy Nalo. And joining me this wonderful evening I have. Poet Air, we decided to do a little menage a trois on Nalo and double team in with these questions. It's going to be a fun night. I'm the top. All right, Nalo, go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> hey, everybody, this is Nalo back again for a new kind of episode and ready to get started. I have no idea what I'm walking into. You're okay with power bottoms, right, Nalo? <laughs> yeah. What's your safe word, kid? What's your safe word? We need to know. Is it apples? It's apples, isn't it? You'll know it when you hear it. <laughs> but all right, before we get into the kinky stuff, we're going to do our check-in. Yo, Michael, you read anything cool? I did, actually. Just this morning, I read an awesome fanographics book called The Rough Pearl by Kevin Much. And it's about a depressed digital artist who is teaching at school and in a loveless marriage that finds out he's basically being forced into his boring life by a quantum police called the Vitar, who are trying to keep him on his path. Not only is it, like most of Much's works, has a lot of like quantum physics and physics-based terms in it, it's also a melodrama just about being in your 40s depressed and kind of not being as successful as you wanted to, and it's great. It's got striking imagery. And it's definitely dense. It took me almost three hours to read. And I'm definitely going to reread it again because I felt like I probably missed some things that I'll catch on that second read. Oh, hell yeah. Sounds dope as fuck. All right, Nalo, you read anything cool this week, brother? Yeah, I've been reading the Hellblazer ongoing, which is uh, bittersweet because it won't be going for much longer. Uh, I can't highly recommend that anymore. And I also really want to shout out to That Texas Blood, a new image book. Uh, which is just really blowing me away in terms of atmosphere and realism. So I recommend everyone check that one out. And as for me, I'm going to go with kind of a couple simple ones because you guys have really busted ass and we are now on the press list for so many awesome labels. But this week I got to read the first two issues of a scout book called Grit that I absolutely just adore. It's just so fast-paced, breakneck, gory. The monsters are all just so so grotesque. It's wonderful. I absolutely adore Grit. And then we also got the first issue of Lonely Receiver by Zach B. Thompson with art by my home girl, Jen Hickman. I, I absolutely adore her art. But in this book, it particularly shines because it has this really, really just colorful, esoteric, evil-looking Italian giallo film look to it. And I, I just utterly adore it. And it, it's already kind of off to a great start. It kind of reminds me of like Panos Cosmatos' movies like Beyond the Black Rainbow or Mandy. So, yeah, those are my picks for this one. I love Cosmatos and Old Argento, so Jalo vibe. I haven't read it yet. You're selling me on it, though. Pretty, pretty good. Right, right. But now, no more playing around, no more joking. It's time we get down to brass tacks and we start this off with a real humdinger. Nalo, do you prefer Batman with bat nipples on his suit 
or no bat nipples on his suit. Oh, I am without a doubt a no bat nipple kind of guy. Uh, I like to see that a bit more like armor and not some sort of gladiator costume-esque Joel Schumacher wackiness. And with a really close follow-up, how do you feel about DC now drawing their heroes without the underwear on the outside of their pants? Would you want DC to go back to drawing Superman and Batman with the underwear outside of their pants, or are you fine with the way they're drawn now? Oh, I'm extremely upset with the way they're drawn now. Uh, My favorite superhero is actually Captain Underpants, and so when I saw that other superheroes also wore underpants, it really you know, made me feel at ease, and I've just been living in a state of anxiety ever since the underpants were taken away. I got a shocker for you guys, too. Bendis did bring the underwear back for Superman. That was in his contract. Oh, man, look at Brian Michael Bendis bringing the panties back. Ooh-wee. <laughs> he said, I'm only riding if we get those get those un- undies on. <laughs> and all right, Michael, you come up with a really, really neat list of questions to ask our brothers, so you go ahead and set on in. I'm going to take it easy. We're going to go uh, kind of like hot ones, start a little mile and get hotter. It's an easy one. Nalo, what originally drew you to comics and got you into the comic scene? And what were some of the first books that made you fall in love with the medium? Uh, Yeah, I think for that I have to thank my dad, who was really into comics and had a lot left over from his childhood. So I think one of the first I remember reading was just like a Stan Lee anthology of all the first issues of all the characters he created. And I also had these vinyl records with like old Spider-Man radio stories on them that my dad like taped to cassette. And in our kind of family house... Up in the woods, there was a lot of old comics there, uh, like Mad Magazine or Sergeant Rock and just Superman and Batman. So I was always just knew about comics and was into them. And at one point, my uncle uh, was working at DC Comics in some boring department, not like a creative type. But he was uh, able to just give me comics every time I saw him. No one in my school knew about comics or they mostly made fun of me for reading them. But I just kind of had this like supply of comics Uh, I took about a 10-year break until last year, and due to just life, and I got back into the actual comic scene in terms of going to comic book stores, connecting with people on Twitter and YouTube uh, just in the last year, I guess, due to the advances in social media back when I was in comics originally. There was just some message boards. So I've always uh, loved comics. I took a break, and now now I'm on the scene. I understand that. I definitely took a long break when I was working in production, and it was like a five-year break, and getting back in felt so nice and so much easier on Twitter. That social scene really does help. And now I see why that feeling of scouts finding them in a you know cabin is so nostalgic for you because that's one of your first introductions to comics. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, those are the kind of books you would not be upset about finding uh, in your vacation house. No, no. I'd be pumped. All right. So what creators personally inspire you and really like make you jump out of your skin when you see new books from them? It's probably uh, on the cliche side, but for me, it's Alan Moore and Grant Morrison. We just did an episode, uh, me and you, Johnny, on some awesome books from them. And I just kind of love the magic, chaos, philosophy, kind of, you know, out of the ordinary kind of books. In terms of what's coming out more regularly, I'm super excited about the team of Ed Brubaker behind Criminal. And I really like, for the most part, Jonathan Hickman, at least his independent work, are probably the two that come to mind that I'm really following. Definitely, I agree with a lot of those choices. I'm really excited for that OGN series, Reckless, coming out from Brubaker and Philip. Yeah, it should be rowdy. All right, Nalo, what event in life helped form the human being that you are today? Huh, good question. Um, maybe wasn't that long ago, but I got in a pretty gnarly uh, skiing accident. 
uh, going down like a double black diamond, but it was, there was, it was like almost spring. So there was like no snow. They probably should have had it closed. So it was all ice. Usually if you fall skiing, like you don't fall down the entire mountain because <laughs> snow stops you. But I was just like sliding really fast and then off into the woods and hit a tree and broke my arm in multiple places. And I'm kind of cybernetic now. So that definitely impacts me and has, uh, I had a few more similar smaller cases, so I got a lot of metal in me, and that definitely defines who I am and just how I feel every day. Well, I'm glad you're better today, and now we know you're a skier. I, I used to be into skiing and snowboarding. It's got to be safe. Black diamonds, they're no joke, especially when it's slippery like that. <laughs> oh, pow, yeah, that sounds terrifying. Never been skiing, but never really wanted to either. I hate the snow, but that sounds terrifying. What were you thinking during the roll? Like... Were you just like, go oh, fuck, go oh, fuck, go oh, fuck, I'm going to die? or? Yeah, I, no, I was just trying to stop from sliding, yeah. and then I uh, hit a tree. So, <laughs> And then I, I guess was in so much shock, I didn't know how much injured I was, but I was like off the trail, so I had to like scream for a while till someone noticed me like in the woods. All right. Okay, if you could define one thing that drives you in life to be successful, to be, you know, just the cool guy we know you are, what what is it? Um, Good music, and by that I mean g-o-o-d getting out our dreams just kind of wanted to see my vision of the world uh have some sort of agency or impact and you know make a difference in any way shape or form whether that's doing something nice for somebody or you know working uh on things i'm really passionate about and you know not every person has that kind of uh attitude through their life where they just want to you know abstractly do well and build things uh so really more like a builder mindset not like with my hands just in terms of you know like what we're doing with this podcast of building a community, building content. I, I kind of try to do that in all aspects of my life. Nice. That's really cool to hear, man. Honestly, that's, that's some awesome stuff, brother. Yeah. Creation is the best in any form. Well, all right. No, we all know we, we call you our finance guy. So you're in your Twitter tag. How did you get into finance? Did you stumble into it? Was it something you really like wanted to do and, were kind of just focused on and you found a passion for or did you just kind of stumble into it um stumble might be a good word i was in college originally studying just like comparative literature of like uh story of the eye and like some dystopian fiction and then i got really into the economics department at my school which was more like theoretical based less like doing calculations but more like reading the history of you know how capitalism developed and what was communism and just how does the federal reserve work and a lot of that was like really theory based and i think some of that comes through in a lot of the works we all like like black monday murders or something and i was studying kind of political science too so if you just focus on that you only get this very one-sided you know political side but when you start to think about the economy and financial markets the picture starts to come into place and i guess with my literature interest i found a lot of like crazy french philosophers that write about the history of economies, but also, you know, reference a bunch of strange fiction or Blade Runner even. So I just kind of started to see the world from a financial point of view and still do. That is awesome. I did not know the depths of finance like that. That is, that's really awesome that philosophy gets so much into it and into the creation of finance. Probably gives you a broader, like, be able to have a broader look. It's just Yeah, just basic questions like, you know, what does it mean to be human? The same as, like, what does money mean? Yeah, what is its meaning? What is what is debt and what is the history of that? And yeah, so that's, I spend a lot of free time reading books in that domain. It's awesome. 
Right on. Are you now or have you ever been a member of any secret societies? And if so, what secrets did they make you keep? Are you a Freemason? And if so, what degree of a Mason are you? I was thrown out of the Masons at an early age. And I did form a counter secret society, but I can't talk about it. Sorry. Next question. <laughs> and I have to comment on to that saying, Nalo, are they secret societies or are they societies about keeping secrets? They are societies about keeping secrets. That is the correct answer. <laughs> uh... <laughs> All right. Next question in this interview, we're getting deep into it. What's more plausible to you, simulation hypothesis, or that we are an alien vivarium biome experiment? Um, well, there's a lot of like, you know, arguments out there in the culture in terms of, um, you know, like the Black Lives Matter movement and the counter people say all lives matter. My position is all conspiracy theories matter. So I think I believe them both equally. I agree. And they could even be both. We could be a simulation that is the vivarium biome that aliens have created. Okay. <laughs> and what is the first musician you fell in love with and the first music that you made love to? Um, well, the first one was probably easier than the second. Beyond kind of like some teenage angst stuff, I would probably say Pink Floyd. I got into like pretty early from like old cassettes. And uh, felt like a pretty strong emotional connection to that music. Probably to your second question, uh, the only thing that comes to mind, I guess, is the Beatles. Those are both bands I grew up loving, too. But I grew up mostly with the Dead. But I definitely feel you on Pink Floyd and the Beatles. Mm. Those are great bands to make you fall in love with music mm. in that medium. Yeah, no. Like, pretty spot on stuff. So, Monalo, uh, I don't know how much you're into movies. I haven't talked to you about film much. I don't think either of us have. But is there a director or a certain movie that really drew you to the film medium and the medium of cinema? Uh, yeah, I'm going to – I have two answers for this. The first is a movie called The Tree of Life by the director Terrence Malick, and it was kind of one of his, like, returns to cinema. And in my opinion, he came with an entirely fresh cinematic style that I haven't really seen in other films where the camera is constantly moving around, like following a kid on a swing, or I guess in his film The Thin Red Line, following soldiers in battle – but I've never seen the camera kind of move so much in like this swaying motion. And he has this kind of like poetic narration happening over that while you're watching these scenes and kind of blew me away the first time I saw it in theaters. I actually went back to see it like twice and I've never done that before. And my other answer would be a film essay, which is called F for Fake. It's by Orson Welles and it's one of the last films he ever did. And it's examining a fake, uh, fake painter. It's a guy who claims that he like drew all these fakes and sold them to the Met and the Louvre, but maybe he's actually like actually a fraudulent fake painter. And it's this whole movie about the role of experts in society. And if this guy could trick the experts at the museums to think these were real Monet's real Picasso's, you know, what really is an expert and what's a real painting, what's a fake one. And it's kind of expertly done. The whole movie itself is almost like a hoax. I could talk about it for hours. Nice. Yeah, no, great picks, both of them. I've seen both of those movies, and F for Fake is fantastic, and I could probably talk about it one day with you. Just a podcast on that. Yeah, we should do one on that. And Tree of Life, Malik's one of my favorite directors. I love the movie Badlands by Terrence Malick. That is such a hardcore movie. Really good stuff. His recent one was great, too, and I can't think of what it's called right now. Wanda, about uh, it's, it's set in Germany, and it's about a guy basically trying to escape the Nazis, basically, and, like, live a free life. I can't 
remember what it's called, but it's great. Oh. It's called A Hidden Life, and that movie is brutal to watch because it's like in that Malick style, but it's two and a half hours of everyone saying, please just hail Hitler, and then you can live, and the guy's like, won't do it. Well, there's just some shit you should never say, even if your life's on the line. So I applaud the guy that would not salute. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, but it's like two and a half hours of like him moving closer and closer towards execution over the course of like a few years. So it's a challenging movie to say the least. Yeah. But yeah, I respect the guy. It's based on a true story. Yeah, all of Terrence's work is, man. Like even his kind of uplifting films really just like kick you in the the feels his balls. Like he's really good at doing that. All right. So who is your hero of finance and an entrepreneur that you look up to? Um, good question. I guess um, there's like a Marxist geographer. I think his name's David Harvey. And he wrote this book called The Condition of Postmodernity, an inquiry into the origins of cultural change. And this book just like tracks like manufacturing production, inflation and wages in like parallel with like the Dark Knight Returns and Blade Runner and how that like represents like the changing economies in like our culture and like talks about like Blue Velvet and how like the seedy underground of suburbia like represents this chart on this economic graph. So that kind of blew me away. I guess hard to say in terms of entrepreneurial because all these kind of very famous ones are also pretty controversial, but they give pretty strong advice. So I'm thinking like a big venture capital firm like Andreessen Horowitz or Peter Thiel, which is like a bad word or people are upset with him, but they have some pretty strong insight into entrepreneurship. But a lot of that stuff is, you know, doing deals with the devil at the end of the day. So you can only respect it so far. Well, that's great. That's, I like how much we're learning, just not even about you, but about how you see the, the world. These other kind of people I've never heard of. Yeah, and definitely how you see the world. I'm now intrigued on the, both those people you talked about. Yeah, I'd hate to sound like such a plea, but honestly, like, if I was asked that question, I'd been like, uh, Elon Musk, because he's, like, the only guy I know. <laughs> like, that's, it's cool to, like, learn all these names and what they do and what they mean to you. That's It's really groovy. This has been a really good interview so far. All right. So let's get to the next one. I've been having a lot of fun with this. I like how much we've learned not only about Nala, but about finance, about entrepreneurs I didn't know about. And about uh, so much philosophy in finance that I did not know existed. Who are some of your favorite creators in any medium, not including comics, that we haven't discussed before on the show? So whether film, artist, just a painter, or it could be comics, who are people that, you know, besides Morrison or Alan Moore, that just really draw your attention? Yeah, so one creator I follow pretty religiously is his name's Daniel Lopatin, but he goes by 10trickspointnever, which is kind of like a play on like 106.7. And he makes very interesting electronic music that kind of like messes with your head in terms of nostalgia. But he's kind of elevated beyond just a very avant-garde musician to also being um, like making film scores. And so uh, two of my favorite films that came out recently are called uh, Good Time and Uncut Gems, which are by the Salfie brothers. And both of those films have a score by this one tricks point never. And I think for both those movies, the score makes the entire movie for me. Good Time, I was like having an anxiety attack because I smoked a bowl before in the first 40 minutes because it's so intense and with the music. 
and I just listen to the soundtrack of Uncut Gems pretty regularly, so that's a creator that I uh, think everyone should check out. You're the third person on the show to bring up the love for the Softy Brothers with me and Chaz. They're probably my favorite directors right now. Okay, kind of piggybacking off of what he just asked, are you personally inspired to create, and do you express yourself with writing, art, or any platform? Um, Yeah, I think at my core, I'm a very creative person, but I need a lot of free time and free mental space to do so, so I have done art gallery installations architectural based stuff i've written both for fun and been published in some magazines partially as a job at one point and i really like to you know paint or draw but i'm not very experienced in that and i think in the most recent years i've been pretty bogged down with life and work but uh, when i ever settle down i definitely have a natural tendency to want to create or write and maybe i'll be able to do that (laughs) sometime this decade Lofty goals. Lofty goals. Okay, where did the name Nalo come from, and where did you come from as a person? Um, there's no rhyme or reason to my name, <laughs> other than uh, came to me in a dream. But I'm from uh, like the suburbs of New York City originally, and live in New York City and work there now. And uh, we'll see if cities are going to be attractive going forward with all these kind of lockdowns and pandemics. But uh. I've uh, spent most of my life in the northeast of the USA. Is it pretty like scary there right now? I know where I'm from, California, it's pretty bad. And here in Nevada, it seems somewhat bad, but we don't really go out. But I know that I've been to New York. I know how crowded it is there. Is it pretty? Is everyone pretty much on edge? Uh, I don't think people are on edge anymore, but there's very little to do. There's no indoor dining, so you can only sit outside. And I think all the places like raise the prices a lot. So a lot of people are moving out, basically. And they said that there's like no immediate plans to allow indoor dining or like movie theaters. I think gyms are just opening up next week. So uh, I don't think people are on edge, but in terms of like the city definitely feels more dangerous like at night and like crime is up. So we'll have to see how the city fares. But, you know, when the city's in in all torn up like in the 70s, you know, it also gives room for creative types to be able to afford like studios and lofts and revive things so we'll see how it goes now do you live in manhattan or do you live in one of the boroughs i'm in brooklyn oh that's the best place to be that's where my family's from originally on my father's side it's an awesome place when when the plague times is over and broadway's open back up what's the first musical you're going to go see well i don't think i've seen a musical since like the little mermaid so if you know that book of mormon is still playing i'll try to see that nice yeah i've always wanted to go see that too i love trey parker and matt stone me too i would love to see that also Why do you like doing these podcasts with us or podcasting in general? (laughs) Um, Well, like I said, just from my past experiences with comics, I didn't uh, know that many people in real life that were into comics. And because I was getting them from a family member, I didn't have this like local comic book shop experience until recently. And it's just a lot easier to find people to, you know, discuss what I'm very interested in, like comics uh, online. And all the people I know that are into comics don't, live in new york city even if i'm friends with them so it's great to find more people who are interested in the same books i gotta agree it's great not yeah not everyone i know is i mean i got Chaz here but everyone else in the comics is spread out around the country we really should get together one day do a little con nerd spot i know we, i can get it us in here at the vegas con whenever they let conventions happen again just so we could all hang out and meet in person eat break bread together have a meal together it'd be nice 
sit down and read some comics. We gotta start up like a, a Discord server for us and all of our community. You know what I mean? That's something that we should really look into doing. Definitely. That way we can all we can all just holler at each other without having to worry about randos from Twitter showing up and being like, "Well, you do know that that comic would like shut up, dude. Like I know everything about that comic and I don't want to talk about the bad shit about it. So just go away." <laughs> Discord or even a Reddit channel channel thread that we can moderate. Those seem to do well with podcasts. Okay, Nalo, have you ever started an online global market? The the serious questions are starting. These are now. the serious questions. You got to be truthful with us, all right? The FBI is listening. Have you ever started a online global market? Uh, yes, I'm a pronounced importer exporter, um, mostly in rare whale whale bones. <laughs> that is a that is a good way to avoid our main question. You know, we've been working this case and going undercover for years just to get you here and get these questions out. So, on that order. Do you now, or have you ever known Ross William Albert? Um, googling him now. Oh, nice cover. Nice cover. I love this kid. Oh, <laughs> nice cover. <laughs> nice cover. He doesn't know who he is. Look at this. He was prepared for the hard uh, question. Ah, uh, no, we've never met. I don't. Believe. Oh, so he's pleading the fifth. You didn't just admit to creating the Silk Road? Um, I think they caught the guy who did that. So. The, the thing is, yeah. <laughs> if you've seen Princess Bride, many people can be the Dread Pirate Roberts. So that is another question, Nalo. Are you the Dread Pirate Roberts, creator of the Silk Road, Ross William Albrecht, in jail for life because of your crimes? Yeah, I mean, they, they did give me a laptop and Wi-Fi and said I had to make an alter ego, so that like the jury didn't get mad. So I've just been living out my prison life reading comics. So, are you or do you know Satoshi Nakamura? Did you create um, Bitcoin? I did. <laughs> yeah, I was about 14 at the time, and it was really easy. You know, you just everyone already did all the work. You just needed the right genius mind to put it all together. Voila. We got him on one, Johnny. Yeah. We knew it. Yeah. I knew it. I knew he was Satoshi. <laughs> And how close of a relationship do you have with Martin Scarelli? Uh, none. <laughs> you guys aren't. Uh, That's good. That's good. I wouldn't want to know you him guys either, don't so. Like, Facebook I'll go message all the time. Um, I'm more of a Madoff guy. That... We go back a long way. Uh, you and Bernie? Yeah, that makes sense. Scarelli's not in your top eight on MySpace? No, it's just me and Tom. <laughs> okay. Wow, you know it's Tom. All right, so then we have one more question, and it's the biggest question of the night. I think, Johnny, you should answer it, because we know that you're going to have an answer, and it's the question everyone's been asking for years, so let's have at it, Johnny. Okay. Who killed JFK? Um, I think it was a character from the Umbrella Academy that got recruited by the agency to... Go hang out in the grassy knoll to make sure it happened. That's actually a pretty good hypothesis. Like, I personally would have went with the comedian, like Eddie Blake. I'm pretty sure actually killed him. But, yeah, no, it could have totally been number five, too. I I probably would have gone with the Banks, but number five, also definitely probably number five. I think think you're right. (laughs) I'm just full of knowledge and wisdom. This has been a very wise podcast. I... It's full of brotherhood, and uh, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, good times. Learned a lot about Nalo, 
had a couple laughs. He doesn't want to admit that he knows certain people that we know that he is associated with, but whatever. You know, that's what the Supreme Court's for. Yeah, at least he admitted he created Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Got him for that. <laughs> but all right. This was another really, really fun episode of Nerds from the Underground. I'm Johnny. You can find me on Twitter at JohnnyAlpha81. I'm Poet Air. You can find me on Twitter at PoetAir33. And I'm Nalo. You can find me on Twitter at Comics Finance. And thanks for listening to learn a little bit more about me. Have a great night. And you can find the show on Twitter at NerdsFrom. We are a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network, and we'd really appreciate it if you checked out a few other shows on this network. But until next time, aloha!